your hands together for the late morning program with your host, Nam Ross! Hey Madhva. Hey Nam. How's it going? It's good. Good How to are see you? you. Thank you. So, uh, welcome everyone. This is the uh, late morning program podcast with Nam Ross. I have my friend Mudva Anderson here from Jolly Old England. Uh, Mudva's hey. visiting. Uh, was in the area, so I thought to to have him on the show. He's a very interesting person. Mudva, when Thanks, did, when did we meet first time? Two thousand three. Three was it three? Or was oh, Pandavasena retreat. Yeah, Pandavasena retreat. I think it was try like to four. speak right into it because you're gonna have to. Yeah, it okay. picks it up really well. Before. One of those years. Oh four. Oh four. I think it was oh four. Spain yeah. was oh four. Yeah, we met. Um, but you were at Namras then. Yes, sir, that's right. You were Amul. Amul, yes. So um, since then, uh, you know, we I've seen you in England. You grew up with Tulsi, my wife. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, how was that? How was it growing up in in Bhaktivedanta Manor? I had Janavi on, and I obviously had mm-hmm. Tulsi on as well. So mm-hmm. we had their experiences growing up at the manor. But mm-hmm. tell us a bit about. Uh, I mean, you didn't weren't solely from the manor, but you also were in Manchester. That's right. Yeah, I grew up. Mm, the first 13 years of my life, I grew up in Manchester. My parents ran a small temple there. Speaking of parents, <laughs> right? <laughs> l- listen to this, everybody. Madhva is the son of Krishna Dharma Prabhu and Chintamani Dam Mataji. Krishna Dharma Prabhu is the one who wrote the Mahabharat. Well, the rendi- his rendition of the Mahabharata. Yes. And every time. I hear that. I'm just blown away. I mean, yeah, what I, re- a- I remember your your reaction the first time <laughs> that you found out. <laughs> Priceless. In fact, it was probably the best reaction that I'd experienced to date. Oh, of really? Someone finding out that my dad was K- Krishna Dharma Prabhu. Oh my God, and, that's um, so funny. Yeah, it was. It was. It was funny. It was. It was funny at the time. <laughs> so yeah. So Man- uh, continue. Manchester. You. you were- yeah. So I grew up in Manchester. Um, Ran a small temple there. Uh, it was great. I was. It was. It was nice in many ways. Mm-hmm. But I was thirteen. When I was thirteen, my parents decided to um, move to the manor because we didn't have much devotee association in Manchester. Mm. Me and my two younger sisters, we were kind of just. We went to normal school. My parents did their best to. You went to normal school. Yeah, my whole life. I never been to Gurukul actually. So. Really. Not actually, a Gurukul. <laughs> Like me, uh, <laughs> you know, we're called we're called public schoolies. Yeah, yeah. public schoolies. Yeah, I coined the term, by the way. Oh, that's cool. Cause yes. Yeah, I never heard that before. Yeah, so you so you went to public school your whole life. Yeah, and you came to the manor when you were thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, you didn't enroll. There wasn't a school for that age. No, I missed. Yeah, I kind of missed like the the Gurukul years. Right. And so I came straight in to um, public school again in in Bushy. In Bushy, right, right. Okay. Bushy Meads. Mm-hmm. I think Tulsi or someone went there. Yeah, Did maybe. They? I think Janavi, maybe. No, I don't know. <clears throat> Nadia. Anyway, people, lots of devotees went there. Lots of devotees went yeah, there. Okay. Over the years. And then, um, then after 13, you were... So what interested you in, um, let's say, Krishna consciousness? Let's, we're moving up a, a little bit. But uh, you're, right now, you're, um, you're 30 now. Mm-hmm. And you are uh, live. You're married. 
Yeah. You're living, you've been traveling. Tell us a bit about your travels. You've been traveling for the past one and a half years. Yes. So, um, okay, I'll go, I'll just give background to that. So, please, yeah. I, um, I've always worked my whole life. I started, you know, went straight from school into a job and then just worked and worked, um, trying to kind of stabilize my material life. Um, and, it was always tough because I would see my friends traveling the world, going to 24-hour Kirtan in Vrindavan, yes. or going to the bus tour, or doing this, or doing that. And it was like, there's always a part of me that really just like needed that as well. Mm. Um, but I kind of always fell into good jobs from a young age, and it was always tough to quit and just take time out. So, But over the last, I guess, 10 years in particular, we were really building toward trying to achieve a lifestyle that was different to just being stuck in a 9-to-5 and... So a, about a year and a half ago, we, we kind of hit a point where we achieved that. We were able to achieve some basic material goals, bought a house and things like that. Um, so that was really good. We were very, very fortunate to do that. And then we were able to take uh, a year and a half out of work. And, um, you know, so we went, we spent probably over the course of that year and a half, maybe eight months in India in total. Um, I finally got to go to Vrindavan and do some time in 24-hour kirtan, which was wow. like a lifelong dream in many ways. Right. So that was cool. Um, what else did you do in India? Did a lot. We did um, We did a Panchakarma. Oh, right. Remember you telling me that? Which was cool. That. Yeah, I had some health problems, um, which came from a trip to India like five years before. And um, it gave me some digestive problems. So for a long time, I'd wanted to do a Panchakarma. A lot, of, a lot of senior and older people do that, right? Yeah. Typically, it's something you find older, older people or older devotees do a lot. Do you and recommend it? 100%. Really? It was amazing. I, it depends I'm on scared. where you're at. It depends on where you're at because it's very, um, it's, it's intense in many ways and you have to follow the, the, the procedure. You have to stick to it. And if you don't have a good reason to be strict with yourself and not to cheat because you can't cheat, then you're not going to see the benefits. So like, I had a really strong reason to be there, and I, I knew I was going to do it, f you know, from beginning to end, the full 30 days without straying from the course. Oh my God! And then you got to do days? yeah. And then there's also like follow up. You got to be careful. You can't just come out and go straight back into old bad habits. Mm. So if you know, if you think you can do it properly, then 100% I recommend it. The, 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 what scares me is like the you know the um, like laxatives and throwing up and all that stuff. Did you do all that? Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't so bad. They kind of just... I did it in a really nice place. We did it in um, uh, in a nice clinic in Udupi. Oh, okay. So we were kind of in really surrounded by beautiful nature, like lots of fruit trees in the place where we were. Lots of beautiful... Yeah, it's just a beautiful place in general. Wow. So it was cool. You know, you're just there and you, you know, you've got to do the things you've got to do, but you're in a nice place and um, you're under good care, supervision from the doctors and... Lots of abhyanga, which is like uh, oil massage. Oh, so good. Really? Yeah, yeah, really good. Wow, that sounds nice. Um, so you were saying, so you you traveled, and you mean you were materially, you set yourself up, and then you wanted yeah. to take time off. You went to India, and then yeah. after India, you uh, traveled here, more. I guess, or, or more? Yeah, well, we, we went back to England. Um, we did a little bit of little traveling in Europe. I guess the main Europe's didn't we did we did. Last year, we were so fortunate. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Manu, Manu he, yeah. he got me involved with um, the Kirtan course in Radhadesh. And um, so I was there helping to teach Mridanga for two months. Wow. 
that was amazing. That was an amazing experience. I think really? I got more out of it than I gave, but um, I really? was happy to be there. Yeah. So nice. Such an amazing, incredible thing. What about it right was, was uh, rewarding to you? Um, I guess just the... I never really had like temple life experience, so it's such a nice small community just being in, uh, I guess, a temple environment for two months. Mm. Um, and I guess it's the same for so many young second generation devotees growing up in, you know, in Srila Prabhupada's movement. But there's definitely a desire to want to share what we have. Mm. So it was a nice opportunity to to do that with with because it was a it was an interesting mix. It was 13 students and half were, you know, like congregation members, ISKCON devotees, and half were not. But they were like interested. They'd come through yoga. They'd come through their own personal spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting, really nice to be able to kind of share aspects of what we've grown up with and what we love right. with people. Um, who are just coming to this kind of whole journey on their own. Mm. That was very rewarding. Wow, that's really nice. And being with friends. Yeah, I mean, being Radha Vesh Manu is that's, like really nice. Um, that must have been really nice. And then after yeah. that, you... This was two months. Two months. Um, we went to Alatra, which was cool. Stayed with friends in Alatra. I've only been there once. It'd be really nice. Oh, it's, no, twice. Alatra is an amazing place. Very nice, yeah. Very amazing nice place. place. Yeah. yeah. So we were really fortunate to go there. The whole year and a half, me and, it was me and Sundari, my wife. Mm-hmm. So um, we were traveling together the whole time. And um, we didn't kill each other. So that was a good thing. How long have you we been there? We still like each other. <laughs> that is the true test, my friend. I'm telling you. Me and Tulsi, you know, we traveled for about a year. Uh, very similar, actually. We spent about six months in India and then the rest of the time traveling. Uh, and... Uh, when we came out of it, you know, we were like the same same thing. Like we didn't kill each other. Yeah, yeah. Although we had our times, but like yeah, you know, yeah. we learned to we learned to live with each other and yeah. and, and tolerate each other and things <laughs> like that. That's that's a fun. How long have you been married now? Married, I think six years. Coming on six years. Oh, I nice. Think. But we've been together coming on twelve years. Wow. It'll be twelve years more or less in October. Did you feel a change after you got married? Like after the, you know, after some scar of, of the marriage. Interesting Vibaha. subject. Interesting yeah. subject. I like that question. Really? Yeah, because <clears throat> because for me, like from me and Sundari, we didn't feel so much of a change. Okay. But that was because we we waited a, a fair period of time. I know. I feel like this is almost a um, controversial subject sometimes, mm. at least within our society I, I feel like that personally um, but I, I opted for the let's wait and get to know each other properly before we make this commitment to me marriage was always such a it's it's a real thing it's not just a, it's not a joke you know totally yeah um, and that's how I always felt about it so it's like there was a, a big there was a wait to marriage for me so I didn't want to just jump into it for the sake of you know living righteously and you know all the all these higher principles which i agree with and which i believe in but i felt like i could long term damage this relationship if i try to live to these higher principles before i'm ready beyond Mm. my capacity interesting so we waited i was like four years we were together before i proposed and then (laughs) i remember when i proposed sundry said so when are we getting married and i was like i'm ready to be engaged 
but I'm not ready to be married. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we waited. It was again. It was two years. Whoa! Before between being engaged and then actually getting married. So we were together six years before we got married. I guess we were together relatively young. We met when I was 18, turning 19. So, you know, I guess to take a, a bit longer wasn't so weird for us. Mm, interesting. But um, yeah, that is a controversial thing in the sense of that, you know. Um, devotee kids or even just regular devotees sometimes they get into relationships and then they move in together mm-hmm. and sometimes it's looked down upon in the community and it, i think it has to do a lot with like the culture that you grew up in maybe like Definitely. western culture it's like very it's very uh, accepted accepted and not you know taboo in any way but right. with indian culture you bring that in then it's like oh you would never you would never even you know be in the same room alone with that person you right know? of course what to yeah. speak of live with them you know? right exactly. exactly so it's 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 interesting when iskon and the christian conscious movement become so big right you're mixing all these cultures then you get these different gray areas or even exactly. you know controversial areas i guess um, exactly I mean, luckily, I feel luckily for us, it kind of, it worked out. Um, I felt like for my personal situation, in retrospect, I feel like it was the right choice, but right. it's different for everyone, depending on your cultural upbringing, depending yeah. on your, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. what's real to you. I guess that's the point I'm making, and I, you know, that um, it's, you, you've got to, you can't try to uh, live to ideals that are beyond your capacity sometimes. You might shoot yourself in the foot. Is mm. how I feel. It's just my opinion. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure it's not the opinion of everyone. But that was the choice I took. I felt like I definitely want this to be a long-term, committed. I don't want to be with anyone else. I don't want to do anything else. Like you know, this is who I want to be with. But marriage is such a weighty thing for me that I'm like, I'm worried that if we did it too soon, it might change the dynamic. It might. Interesting. It might kind of put pressure on us that could end up damaging this relationship in the long run. And so that was just, it was just my personal, both of us, it was both of our ways of looking at it, luckily. So if you go back, you wouldn't do it any other way. That's the way you would have done it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Interesting. And, and you know, I'm in the future, you know, with children and whatnot, I'm thinking about that as even though my kid's only one, how we're going to raise them, you know, in the sense of uh, if they want to, you know, how they're going to associate with the opposite gender and whatnot. It's, right, it's right. also a thought to, to that I have. And yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't know if you put any thought into that. I'm sure you have, you know, as a married man. and uh, Like how we want our children to be raised. Definitely. I mean, in not even just that, but even just with schooling. and Definitely. There's so many things to think about. The way we've done, we did things like, I, I don't want my kid to go to public school the way I did, you know? Right, it's, right. It's... Uh, it's it's different now i i feel yeah 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 just yeah there's so much to think about especially when kids are in the picture right you just want to want to do the best for them definitely um and it's yeah it's an interesting subject i guess it just depends it does totally depend at least in my opinion on your your cultural upbringing what's what's normal for you you know yes like um i was raised i always felt like i'm completely a person of two cultures I have my traditional, you know, spiritual, also cultural, you know, or um, traditional kind of ritualistic and moralistic culture that comes with the Krishna conscious right. aspect of my upbringing. 
but like because I went to public school my whole life, I was also very integrated into the Western right. mentality as well. And so like I always, I never really had a problem like trying to integrate one or the other because from the beginning I was both. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, which in many ways was I guess a good thing. Um, everyone's different, but for me it was it was never something I was like resentful of. Um, I would have liked to go to Gurukul in many ways, but I was very happy. I was was very lucky in my life that I never had um, any heavy negative experiences being a, a devotee growing up in an outside community. Mm. Um, did they ever? Did they ever overlap in any way? A couple of my friends caught me on Harinam once. <laughs> really? And how was that? They came. They joined in. And did you? But you were very comfortable with your. Uh, Religion. I, w- I was lucky. I was very lucky. I guess I grew up in a very multicultural place in Manchester and also in London that I never had. No one would ever judged me for being a Hare Krishna. And I was very open about it because I felt I could be. And um, it was just, yeah, part of who I was. I was always called Mudvert School. I went to primary school wearing Tilak and a Sika. No. My whole primary school. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. This was by your choice or your, your parents took? Like I, I mean, yeah, I guess you, at that age you don't really have a choice, but I never, I never didn't want to do it. I oh never had a problem God. with it. For Amazing. me, it was normal, and I was, I was, yeah. My parents, you know, they. I'm so grateful to my parents. Yes, they're, I hope they're listening. You know, we, we, I have utmost respect for them. Yeah, please tell us about, about you know. They're awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. They, I felt like they got a good balance between giving me Krishna consciousness. Um, you know, we did. I, I remember growing up. Um, as a young boy, we always did like a full morning program at the house, saying all the prayers. Then we, we read Gita and we discussed my mum's in particular, and my dad, but particularly my mum, she's really big into discussing um, in depth yes. in the Prabhupada's books. Yeah, I, I've, been to, you know. yes, <laughs> yeah. I've been to one or two of them, and it was really a oh, fantastic experience. Yeah. And um, Anyway, it is fantastic. So I, you know, I, I got all of that at home, yeah. and uh, my parents—they really did put time and energy into giving me, I guess, my home Gurukul experience because I, I wasn't getting it at school. Mm. So they would give me my Krishna consciousness at home, and um, but when I reached a certain age that I wanted to start kind of like, I guess, exploring material life more, they weren't—they uh, didn't come down too hard on me you know they kind of gave me that little freedom to just be who i needed to be at the time Hmm. um and i for me it was i i'm very grateful for that i felt like sometimes you just need to trust that your child is you know we've done our best i've raised an intelligent young individual who can make choices for themselves and you know we're going to allow him to exercise his own uh independence Hmm. And they did that well. I, I, in my opinion, they did a really good job of, of that balance between trying to give me as much, you know, train me how to be, but give me the freedom to just be myself anyway. So, I, you know, when I was 15, between the ages of 15 and 17, I kind of got into bad habits mm. with my school friends, you know. Right. And, um, you know, I, would, I, would, I was drinking alcohol. I was smoking cigarettes. And, but I had, you know, my parents didn't know about it. Mm. But they had, I had the freedom in which they could not know about it. You know, I could get away with doing it. They allowed me to just be myself, you know, right. hang out with my friends. They weren't overly strict and trying to like 
protect me from the material world, protect me from things that are gonna that are bad for me. That you know, it's not good, son. You're gonna you know you're gonna suffer. Right. You know, John, your rounds. Pray, pray to Krishna. Um, so, unlike that, I was able to experience that those things and then just work through them for myself. You know, so by 17, which. I don't know. Some people have never tried these things, but for other people, it's a young age to be kind of like already I'm done with that. Mm. I, I tried it two years. I got into it. My friends and by 17. I was like, I'm done. You know, this is, wow. I've got it out of my system. Wow. So, um, and I think that was because my parents were intelligent enough to give me that little bit of freedom. Right. Whilst always being there to support me spiritually, they never forced anything upon me. Right, right. Oh, Which I that's think was really, intelligent. That's really amazing to think. You know, I always, you know, as a, you know, thirty-somewhat-year-old myself, I, I look back on my parents as well, the way they raised me, and I'm very grateful. I think it just it comes with, you know, when I was twenty-something or when I was like fifteen, seven, whatever. I wasn't. I didn't think like that. You know, my parents are just like, oh, my parents. But then becoming a parent, becoming grown up, then you look back and you think, you know, they made a lot of sacrifices for us. They really, you know, tried to raise us in the best way possible. Yeah. And um, a lot of gratefulness for sure. What is your relationship with them now, uh, being you know much later now in life, uh, and and you don't live with them anymore? And mm. So what is your, what is your, what's that dynamic like? Yeah, it's it's um, it's great. It's really nice. I guess I don't see them as much as I'd like to see them. Right. That's probably the only the only negative. It would be nice to have more interaction. But um, it's very loving, very caring. I guess life is like that. You just get sucked into into life, into your own life, mm. working and being with your partner or with your friends. And, you know, I travel a lot. So naturally, it's kind of like we don't see each other as much as I'd like to. Yeah. But, we yeah. Have, yeah, but we have a very, a very nice, loving relationship. That's really nice. Yeah. That's really nice. What, what are you doing in New York then? I'm here studying Marma. Marma. Therapy and... Uh, um, our illustrious teacher Vera Bhadra. Nice from yeah. the Bhakti Center. Wow. Yes. What you know? I I you always hear about Marma, Marma. What is Marma? Marma is uh, it's a healing um, tool. It's a part of Ayurveda. It's Ayurvedic acupressure therapy. It's okay. probably how I would term it. Okay. Yeah. And you you learned it. I'm learning it. I've just started. I'm on the beginning of my journey. Does it take like many years to like perfect it? Um, I guess there's so much depth to it that I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Vera's doing a really good job of um, giving us the tools to already be able to start practicing. You know, I think he calls it level one, mm-hmm. Marma practice. Um, so we're, we're covering all the, like a very full, wholesome, general practice of Marma. Uh, but I, I yeah, I'd definitely say to go mm-hmm. to becoming a, an expert takes years for sure right right what do you um what do you hope to do with that the uh, you know the do you want to do can you become a marma like therapist or like as a career or like what do you want to do with that yeah so um my my i guess the primary reason for me doing it is um me and Sundari, my wife, we recently moved to Spain. Spain, wow. Yeah, and um, I need to work. Right. 
So in England, I always had a job, good job, and you know that was how I earned my money. But moving to Spain, we're really trying to figure out a way of uh, being more self-employed or self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And so this was kind of that was like the driving force. I can learn a skill that I can take back and and work right. work on without having to go get a job somewhere or you know. Right. Um, and but it's also nice because it's also healing it's also a nice thing to, it's like a nice thing to be able to do in your life to be able to sure. offer to people whilst at the same time um, earning money you know earning a livelihood yeah in Sp- so you know, you're moved to Spain now what's the I, I know I was talking to you about this but what's the so sooner your wife is from Spain mm-hmm. so um, what made you guys go back there as opposed to stay in England um, I guess the main reason is um, at least where we live in England, it's very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you sacrifice a lot materially to be there. Um, we were talking about this yesterday, I remember, yeah. yeah. On, the, on the car ride. Uh, and I was like, and Tulsi was like, wait, save it from the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's all fresh. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the amount you're paying, uh, it, but you're giving so much t- of your time. Yeah, at least that's, you know, because I, I never studied, I was never like, um, I never went to university, never got into a specific, like, right. kind of well-paid field. Um, so, I always was quite lucky with jobs, I had relatively good jobs, but they were always taxing on the body, I normally shift work I was doing, and it was kind of, you know, we're earning enough money to live, but just about. And right. even then, the quality of li- life was, wasn't great. Um, so... You know, like without going into too much detail about that, I guess that was the driving factor behind, you know, uh, the shift to Spain. Spain offers such a different, better material quality of life. Mm. And the reason we didn't do it prior to that was because we have such a beautiful, incredible, healthy, spiritual community in England. So that was what kept us there for so long, despite... Yeah despite the material discomfort. Right. I, I loved England when I lived there. Like, I want to, you know, if I, if it wasn't for that, you know, the cost of living there, I mean, I'd yeah. go back. It's really nice. And my parents are here as well. But I just loved it there. You know, exactly what you said, the spiritual community is just, I plugged into so many different things. I know, I like remember. Like, when I got there, I was just like, boom, boom, boom. And I was like, ready, ready to go, you know? I remember. Well, well, here, it's a bit different in the sense of that you have to create that uh, community yeah. that you have to create those opportunities that you want absolutely in different ways and absolutely kind of be a trailblazer in some ways or a pioneer but you're going to be like that in spain do you want to kind of do something plan. Like it's the plan what's baby the- let's go <laughs> <laughs> what's the closest temple to there um, or there aren't no there aren't for where you're going to live yeah there aren't any temples where we live um the closest, I mean, in Madrid, but Madrid's like a four and a half hour drive away. There's a you know, really far. nice big temple farm there. Yeah, but it, exactly. It's not something, it's maybe somewhere you go for festivals and things, but yes. it's not like a community, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but absolutely, like you said, uh, our goal going there, we're very lucky. I mean, Sundari's sister also just moved there, um, back there with her husband. Um, so uh, really, really nice uh, incredible, exactly incredible guy. Swiss devotee. His name's Rohini Nandana. Okay. And Sundari's sister is Bhakti Dharma. Uh, in, an incredible couple. So we're already a small community. Right. It's not just you know 
me and Sundari trying yeah. to make it on our own. Yes. And Sundari's mum's there and she's a legend as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so we have like a small, already nice team and it's, it's nice because we've started doing Kirtan programs already. We've been there a month and we, we booked. Um, it was incredible. We, we offered ourselves to go to Kirtan and yoga studios and anywhere, everywhere we asked was like, yes, yes, please come. Mm. Um, and anyway, we are trying to, we want to develop something there, like you said. Mm. Um, if it's not there, then you got to go and make it, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm interested to know your strategy um, because you're saying you're saying okay. I we went to yoga studios and we asked them they want to do kirtan. So what what is it about that strategy or that direction as opposed to I'm going to set up a book table and I'm going right. to go. I'm going to give you know. 1972 Gita is going to be there. We're going <laughs> to go person to person. Here, please read this book about, you know, Krishna consciousness. That strategy, you know. So what? Right, so right. what is your strategy? What where you go? It seems like you're going in the yoga, yoga, yoga direction. Yeah. Tell us a bit about what your thought process has been. Okay. Because I obviously you're thinking about it because you're, mm. you know, you come to the Bhakti Center, you're kind of yeah. scoping it out, what's going on here. Right, exactly, man. Bhakti Center is unreal. It's unreal. It's just such a beacon, a beaming beacon of, you know, just how to, how in the modern day we can share Krishna consciousness so dynamically and so attractively. I want to get into your head about why you feel like that and, right. and uh, tell me about, more about that. Okay. Yeah, I guess in my experience, you know, um, yeah, people, I, I think that people are not, it's, it's a little um, unrelatable, perhaps, the approach that some, you know, uh, some devotees take in trying to share Krishna consciousness. It can be something that's a little bit like, um, people can't, they can't relate and they can't, therefore drop certain barriers that they may have to even hearing what we may have to say you know because they just associate us with a certain judgment they have in their head um, and so that's it you know it's like there's no chance of even trying to get through to them or share what we you know what we have to offer um, and I guess my experience always growing up was that people are definitely open to hearing People need actually spiritual knowledge. People want and need spiritual knowledge more people than you realize. But you, you know, you can't judge a person and think this person won't want it because so many people want spiritual knowledge there, you know, for one reason or another in their life. And um, in my experience, just by being relatable to people, by becoming their friend, mm. by not be by being their friend, like really being their friend, not just trying to befriend them so that you can give them a Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Turn them into a Hare Krishna, you know. Shave them up. Yeah, exactly. But just by being their friend, um, then at a certain point, they'll ask you questions, and they'll, you know, they'll be sincerely interested in what you do because they like you and trust you as a person. Hmm. And I guess that's that's the key, in my opinion, is that it's people. You know, we just want loving relationships. We don't want to be preached at. We don't want to be pushed into doing something that you know we don't want to do and uh, I think that's something that the Bhakti Center has just hit the nail on the head with at least that's how I see it um, and I feel so grateful to be here and just absorbing the whole place and the energy of the place and meeting the people behind it but 
building loving relationships and communities and i think someone said yesterday you know loving people where they're at mm-hmm. not just wanting people to be a certain way if you know if you feel like oh this person's this person's never going to become a devotee this person's never going to be krishna conscious you know i give up on that i'm not going to talk to them anymore let me talk to this guy because this person might be a devotee you know that approach yeah it just i i you know doesn't work in my opinion as well as this more open-minded loving approach to krishna consciousness yeah i wonder where that stems from i think it stems from the times uh in the 70s when it was a lot about how many people you could get to come live in the temple or how many people you could shave up i mean i we joke about it but that's how it was right i mean from right. what i've heard yeah it's like you know they bring uh, one sannyasi might bring in a you know 50 shaved up bhaktas to Prabhupada and say Prabhupada look what do we do you know and Prabhupada's like very nice yeah you know? <laughs> from that time that's what it was like you know yeah but now like you said it seems to be a bit different in the sense of people need to know that you care and and what's that ter- what's that uh that saying you know people don't care how much you know but they they want to know how much you care yeah exactly so be being their friend and everything but um so do you think that i had one book distributor on in my past episodes and i was mm-hmm. asking him you know is 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 it still effective book distribution and and he was you know he was very much into becoming people's friends and being friendly toward them and giving them a book and and what that you know what's the value in that and mm-hmm. and i agree with him and i agree with you as well i think there's yeah I think, and i'm not disagreeing with him of course yeah. That's, yeah 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 no that of course i know yeah that, that's totally clear to me uh i think one devotee put it uh to me it's like what kind of net you throw out you know mm-hmm. like you can throw out a net that's like really um fine mm-hmm. and you can throw out a, a net that has real big holes but you catch big mm-hmm. big fish or mm-hmm. more more fish or more fish like, yeah so in that sense i feel like when you're more relatable and you can uh or what people sometimes call watering it down a little bit mm-hmm. you throw out a bigger net and you ca- and you catch the quantity and mm-hmm. and from that people who want to take it up they are more interested in it yeah and i think it all preaching all ways to share Christian consciousness have their merits, and none of them should be put down. I think that's something that we m- mistake. And I think I think I'm I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I think I said it was you know I think it's better what I was just saying than another way. I don't think that I think we're all just different, and we just have to you know share Krishna consciousness in a way that's real to us. Yeah. So this is how I connect. You know, like the way the Bhakti Center does it, and you know, we I, I'm more. Mm, I like that concept of just being a little bit more, uh, I guess, open-minded and just kind of being more, uh, bringing in a wider crowd and then slowly bringing people who want more on a journey from that point to, you know, whatever the end goal is, having them really kind of get more involved and take more seriously to their spiritual practice, which is the end goal. And that's my nature. That's how I relate to Krishna consciousness. That's how I relate to sharing Krishna consciousness. When then you have devotees who are more, you know, they they relate more to rules and regs. And like it works for them to be, you know, more, you know, like 
serious and um, book distribution is something that they really connect with whereas for me I'm like terrified at the thought I don't really connect with it so much I want to distribute books but through having a kirtan having a little table someone comes yes. to you then yes. you can tell them here take a book yes yes it's kind of like my way of doing it and there's space for everyone's way of sharing Krishna conscious or just being Krishna conscious <clears throat> it's not just black and white you do it like this or you do it like that and so you have to have space for people to do it in a way that's real to them you know and that's what's attractive. If I'm doing it, if I'm sharing Krishna consciousness through through a means which I don't relate to, it's going to come across. People are going to feel that I'm uncomfortable. I, I'm not like, you know, and it's not going to be so attractive. Whereas if another person was doing the same thing, you know, distributing that book, if it's real to them, it's going to look attractive because it's real to them. It's something that's coming genuinely from their heart. And people, people feel that genuineness. That's true. Very well said. Um, I think that it's really amazing that for someone growing up in Krishna consciousness like yourself that you have such a desire to share it mm -hmm. I think we all struggle sometimes with we good Just checking. okay yeah some my uh, uh, AV lady over there <laughs> uh, uh, so I think sometimes we struggle with I personally also struggle like with sharing Krishna consciousness like sometimes the desire is not fully there Mm -hmm. What brought you to that point where it's like, I need to do something. I need to make some con contribution to this movement to make it a movement. Movement means growth and moving. Mm -hmm. So right. what got you to that point in your own Krishna consciousness? I mean, you have to be relishing something to be able to be like, this is amazing. I need to give this to whoever I meet. I need to, I need to share this. Right. Yeah. You got some good questions, Nam. Thank you. Yeah, I like Some this. people have said I'm a good interviewer. <laughs> You're a very good interviewer. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> um, I guess I've always had that feeling. And uh, I've always wanted to just... I guess when you've... I knew... I've always known inside me that I got a good thing. It's always made sense to me on many levels. And I see how... You know, when I compare it to other um, truths, other belief systems that, that exist, it's always come out on top. So it's like, this just makes, makes sense. Mm. It answers all the questions that I need answering in the best way that I've ever heard. So why wouldn't more people want this? And I should be sharing this. I want to share this. I also feel that, you know, my, my parents, I guess, did a good job of really... Mm, I have a gratitude to, to Srila Prabhupada, who, um, you know, I, I'm sure everyone knows who's, who's listening who Srila Prabhupada is, um, but he gave us this gift of Krishna consciousness, and he wanted us to share it. That was what he wanted. He, he made that sacrifice of, um, you know, leaving his home at such an old age, such an incredible position he had. He was living in Vrindavan. He was just absorbed in his sadhana, and he came to the West. You know, we, we know the story. We went yesterday. Nam took me to um, Nam and Janavi and Tulsi took me to 26 Second Ave. Yeah. Um, I got to see the place where everything started. Amazing. And, and Tompkins Square Park Tree as well. Anyway, he, he had a burning desire to share Krishna consciousness with people because he knew that everyone needs this. And uh, so I have a very deep gratitude to Srila Prabhupada and I want to I have a desire to kind of assist him in his movement. Mm -hmm. Um 
because it's just so good. It's so nice. And um, yeah, I've always had it. When I was younger, when I was like 17, I got I went on a Pandavasena trip. Mm-hmm. And um, that 04 trip that right. we were talking about when that we, we met, met at Spain. Yes, yes, yes. And that was kind of a transition point for me where I kind of got out of my old bad habits and I started to transition to some being more serious in my Krishna consciousness. And um, even from that age, I, I really wanted to be involved. I got involved with Pandavasena. I know, you know, actually all of us, myself, Nadia, Tulsi, Janavi, um, I'll just, uh, there was, and we had some, I'm just going to name them. Sure. Namras told me not to say too many names on the show because <laughs> people don't relate to the names. They don't always know who the people are. Right, right. But in this case, he said, you yeah. can, if you, you know, if you're telling a story, you yeah. can get away with it. So yes. I'm going to say them. So there was also Juggy, um, English Juggy. There's lots of Juggies out there. Yeah. Uh, Sanatan. We had a, like, uh, Shari. Yeah. We had a crew, um, in England and we, we were doing, um, Jammings is what Pandavasena they were calling them then. Jammings, like, yeah, I remember jammings. Yeah, so it was like uh, bi-weekly, uh, bi-monthly, so every two weeks we'd get together on a Friday night and do a, a jamming. And uh, we started what for jamming? Whoa. So we, we started our own little like preaching thing where we were trying to outreach to the people of Watford. And this is when we were 17, 18. And like we were running that for a while. We were trying to like really already trying to share Krishna consciousness. And then about, I guess about 2021, maybe even 1920, I got more sidetracked into just working. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I got into another phase of my life where I, I was putting all of my energy into trying to create some material stability. And for about 10 years, I lost a little bit of touch with that, being able to put energy into sharing Krishna consciousness so much. And now that I'm in a different phase, you know, we've achieved certain material goals and we're moving into another phase, I'm able to start trying to reconnect with that side of me, which has mm-hmm. always wanted to share Krishna consciousness because I just know it's a good thing. And I know that if people are open to seeing what's actually here, they're going to be attracted to it. Wonderful. That's really, that's really commendable and really, you know, because that's a rare, I think it's a, I honestly think it's a rare thing when someone who grew up with something wants to really share it with mm. others. It means they, they really deeply feel great, you know, gratitude and, um, and are deeply, sh- deeply, I think, uh, have accepted the, the, the tenets of that philosophy or religion that they want to share it with others, but in a way that's relatable and mm-hmm. that can help people ultimately. Exactly. That's really nice. Um, you're really nice. You're really nice, Madhva. You're a really good guy. <laughs> um, so you want to? Do you want to kind of replicate the Bhakti Center in in uh, in Spain? I guess so. I mean, that's that's. I'm kind of scared to say anything because. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to unfold. Oh, oh, you know what? That's, that's, you know, when I'm doing some, when I'm, when I'm thinking about doing some kind of business or some kind of project and I, and I like start telling people about it, Mm. it like somehow to Shakti, it kind of like goes away a little. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I totally understand what you're talking about. So let's completely move away from that topic. (laughs) 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 Totally. Because it's happened to me before. Right. They're like, yeah. so, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And like, uh, and I'm like going more because I'm excited to share about it. Right. And I'm, I'm we're doing this. I'm, and I'm, and I'm, this is what I'm actually doing. And this is the detail about it. And then like a few later, a few days later, the whole thing like flops. Right. Yeah. I'm totally there. I'm like starting to 
achieve a certain thing and I'm getting a bit proud. I'm like, hey, guess what I'm doing? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day I'm, I, I stop. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Like there's a Shakti that definitely gets lost when either it's really when you're... It's interesting yeah. how that works. Anyway, that, let's move on to another subject then. Okay, just briefly, yes. We're trying to do something in Spain, but that's, that's about, yeah. Okay, yeah. The details we don't have to go into. Exactly, exactly. That's really good. And I and you know, I'm wish you the best of luck there and whatever help you can take from me or any of our viewers. If you whatever want to get help in, we can we'll, get. we'll get we'll get Mudvas contact information. You can uh, contact you to help you out or something. Thanks, so your no. full name is Madva Acharya. It's <laughs> <laughs> a funny story. Funny story, Madhva didn't know that his full name was Madhva Acharya until he was like a teenager. <laughs> Tell us that story. That's such a funny story. Oh, man. Yeah. Thanks, Nam. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Come on. This just has to be entertaining also, yeah, in a sense. So, um, yeah. It's a true story. I, uh, I guess my... my uh, from as far back as I could remember, people only only called me Madva. Um, you know, so so I always just that's my name, Madva. And uh, <laughs> you know, my parents they would call me Madva, and so my friends would call me Madva, and it was just that was that was as much as I knew of my name. <laughs> and then I got to a certain age, and someone was like. Because I would often have a conversation with people, especially devotees, when I would tell them my name, I'd say, hey, you know, I'm Madhva. And they'd say, oh, hey, Madhva. Right. And I'd always be like, no, 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 it's, it's Madhva, as in, as in Madhvacharya. Yeah. That, that type of Madhva, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> and then one day I was around my parents and um, I was explaining it and I was like, yeah, right. So, you know, I'm always telling people that I have to, you know, my name's Madhva, as in Madhvacharya. And they're like, well, yeah, that's your name, Madhvacharya. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> What do you mean? My name is Madva. Like, well, no, we named you Madvacharya. That was the name we gave you, and you know, we just always use Madva. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I've not known that my full name is Madvacharya. You never looked at like your passport or like. Well, any- this is why, because my parents chose to put Mark on all my legal documentation. Mark. Oh, okay, okay. So my my legal name. This was another trip. My legal name was always Mark Anderson. But my parents gave me a given name of yes. Madhvacharya, right. which became Madhva. And, um, and so that was another trip. I'd That's go to so school, work, and it was always Mark Anderson, and oh, I'd have to like, yeah. uh, it's Madhva, and then they'd change it, you know? Like oh, that. oh my God. That's so funny. I love that. So were you, were you um, do you remember your dad writing the Mahabharat? Like, were you around him? That, was he like bouncing things off of you or your mother or whatever you know i was too young to in one sense bounce things off of but right, right. i uh, he definitely used me as a practice really um in what way like practice child he would dude i had the best freaking upbringing every night my dad would tell me a story to put me to sleep that he was obviously getting from oh the Mahabharata. Oh my god. I didn't know he was getting it from the Mahabharata at the time. Yeah. Like to me they were just stories of kings and sages and battles and sto- you know all this kind of like mystical cool stuff. And so every night for years when I would lay down to go to sleep my dad would tell me a short story about one rishi or one great king or something like that, you know. Mm. And it was like it was amazing. And now in retrospect obviously I know where he was getting all of this stuff from. Right. But, um, yeah, it was cool. 
it was really awesome. Wow. So let's get into some controversial subjects. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, now I'm right. You don't, that's I weird. Don't, I'm not into controversial you don't, things. You don't normally talk about controversial subjects. No. Not ever, not ever. No. But um, so so a hot topic <laughs> these days is uh is women diction women female diction gurus FDG for short. For oh now. wow. I never heard that before. You never heard that? FDG. FDG. Female Diction Gurus. Hurry bowl. Hurry bowl. So, <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts? Cool. It's not cool. possible, right? They cannot be gurus. Never. <laughs> never, ever. Men rule. We're the best. Yes. They need to know their place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Sundari. I love you. I love you, Sundari. Yes. You're the boss. <laughs> She's the boss. Okay, but in all seriousness, the issue is more... India, Iskan India mm-hmm. says if 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 the rest of Iskan passes female diksha gurus, then they will uh, secede or like leave. separate. Yeah. Well, I, see, I'm actually not so. I'm so out of the loop with stuff. I'm not. I'm not politically. What's wrong with inclined. you? Why yeah. aren't you in the loop? I know. I wish. I, in many ways, I wish I was. I'm such a just get on with my own life type guy. But um, you know, that's that's really good. Yeah, in some ways, definitely. Some ways, it's really good. I mean, <clears throat> people, some pe- some people just like you know look look towards the fo- look towards the goal and not really looking at what other people are doing or what how the society is doing. Like, who does it does it really matter? To yeah, you? I guess I mean, that's kind of how I am. Maybe I just don't have the mental capacity to cope with so much information, so I just stick to my little <laughs> doing my thing here, you know. <laughs> But I like to ask my guests like what they think about it, just to get different outlooks. Dude, why not? Is I, to me, I guess, and this is the whole point to me, I guess, of Krishna consciousness is that Krishna consciousness is beyond the bodily platform. Mm. That's how I see it. Right. And I guess that answers the question. It's like, it doesn't matter <clears throat> what body you've got; it matters what's in here, and you know what your relationship to your Krishna consciousness is, and. Um, I guess there ha- there always have been, um, there are also kind of like scriptural injunctions and there are rules and regulations in place and there are traditions that have been kept for, you know, long a long, long time, things that have just been the way they are. Mm. But I guess my answer to that would be look at Lord Chaitanya. You know, I'm, I'm freeballing here, I'm just going with it. Mm. But um, he took Krishna, he took Kirtan outside of what it was traditionally at the time to the streets and it was something that was like heavily criticized by all other all the brahmins but he just wanted to share krishna consciousness with everyone you know he, it was something like it was like a tradition that he just changed yeah because there's a higher principle than what was going on at the time and i guess you know i don't know if that's an exact good example but my point is that there are principles and there are details and so i think in one sense what body you're in is a detail and the principle is, let's be Krishna conscious. And if you have um, a person in a woman's body who's helping you become Krishna conscious and you feel inspired by that person, then why not? That's just my take on it at the moment where I'm at. I'm not really looked into it. I'm not educated on it. Right. That's just my opinion from where I'm at in my life right now. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um so you've been you haven't been 
you've kind of just been like doing your own thing like you were saying and doing your own thing in, in the sense of just focusing on what you're doing and mm-hmm. where do you see your relationship in the future with ISKCON in the sense of you're a very intelligent young person why thank you in the future you're going to be you know let's say you have a you know center you've opened up centers you've done this you've done that then you want to uh, you know ISKCON comes to you says hey Madva you are a wonderful long-standing member why don't you take up some leadership positions in ISKCON in global ISKCON you know helping to uh, let's say for example GBC of Spain or something oh wow would you would you take up such a position big visions for me here huh (laughs) I do I do you're a you're a very qualified person why not it's for Prabhupada's movement right right so I'm just looking forward right to something that may happen okay (laughs) So would you it's take, definitely not something I've thought about. But, would you uh, take up such a position? And then you would have to d- dive into these other maybe subjects or maybe into something that's controversial or, you know, like... Right. I think there are some incredible devotees being born into this movement. And there's going to be some way more qualified people than me that are going to be able to step into now those roles. Now's not the time for humility. No, for Let's... real. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, thank you, Nam, for that question. It definitely makes me feel... Uh, loved by you that you would even think to ask me that of course I'm, I'm i'm looking at all my peers they're so qualified they're so um you know they have such great vision they're thinking very big you know what what's to say that in the future they're not they won't be able to take over this take o- not take over that's such a strong term but but to lead this movement to to new places mm. and better places and bigger mm. places you know right but let, let's hear from you about that yeah I mean, it's not something I've thought about much. I guess and part of me has um, thought about it to some extent. I know I've had talks with different friends, you know, about this kind of thing. What, what do we feel our involvement is in the future of ISKCON's, you know, growth? Yeah. And um, how can we be a part of that? And I don't really know. I would... I would I want to, my in my heart, I want to offer something to Srila Prabhupada's movement. I guess if the time came when I felt like my best contribution could be by helping, taking a GBC role, then I would take it. Although, I mean, I mean it when I say there are so many incredible devotees, you know, young devotees who are kind of just... He said he wants to be a GBC. <laughs> We're, we're in, we're in. <laughs> the GBC has not hired me to do any scouting for them, or headhunting, by the way. You are the best <laughs> scout or headhunter I've ever come across in my life. Sorry, oh sorry, that was a very, you you're, you're, you're made serious point, sorry to make it funny, but, yeah. <laughs> you should be, Nam is the future of the GBC. Oh my god, no, I'm not. Definitely. If but you're involved, I'll get involved. <laughs> if it's you hiring, if it was, I'll take the job. If it was me, uh, it would be like, okay, we're now going to have one session where everyone makes memes. T- like, we're gonna like all like do our personal memes, and then we'll share them with the with the GBC uh, at the GBC meeting <laughs> in Mayapur. That's what it's, that's what kind of joke it's gonna be when I'm when I'm there. Please. Oh my God. Then I'm definitely. Then you wouldn't even have to pay me. I pay to be a part of the GBC. I don't think anyone really gets paid. What? 
I think the budget budget's like something really minimal from what I've heard. Oh, that's funny. But I but I uh I admire uh, GBC members, you know, course, they take they talk they take on some real thankless tasks and exactly. a lot of criticism. Exactly, a lot of criticism from people. Yes, but they do make kind of like resolutions that are kind of funny though sometimes, like the whole Rade Rade thing and right, like, yeah, exactly. Like, why are they thinking about that? Like, when you know, there's other really more important uh, resolutions that could be made. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We're talking about this kind of stuff. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're a legend. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. I think that there are definitely things that are not perfect. But that being said, I feel I, I have to look at the GBC as a movement that is a sincere is a sincere entity. Right. You know, we you, you often hear you know you hear stuff, a lot of criticism and a lot of negativity. Um, but I have to believe that the GBC is, and I do from the people, at least from the people that I know who are a part involved in the GBC, that they're really trying to do their best to serve Srila Prabhupada's movement. Hmm. Now, we're not perfect, and we're working out the kinks, and there's things that are going to come up that are just stupid, you know, mm-hmm. which we can all kind of go, what? What are those guys thinking, man? Yeah, right. You know? But at the end of the day, they have a thankless task, like you said, and um, they're doing their best, and there's so many incredible, flourishing aspects to our movement, which yeah. is just, you know... Which I, I'd, I'd rather look at it from that angle, I think, is how I feel. I'd rather see that side of it. And then, you know, rather than criticize too much. And, and, and hope that, yeah, with time, with maturity and with uh, possibly some young blood, um, we can start to improve on the areas, you know, that need improving on. <clears throat> that was going to be my next point, that I think the youngest person on there is like 40 something right which is kind of which is which is not that i mean not when we, we, we think about how this movement was started by 20 year olds sometimes even younger right we think like why are there not more younger people on there like well, i've never really thought much about this you really you're you're driving my brain cells into new un, un, really yeah oh my God, this is like all i think about unthought about regions <laughs> No, but I, I think I think about it scares me because it's like one day it's going to be like the last older GVC map. What I don't want to happen is we're just like thrown into it without any like previous experience right. or like wow. any. I should be interviewing you. You you should you know way more about this than me. No, no, no I'm, I'm just re- sharing. I'm restraining I... myself from turning the questions at you because I know it's your <laughs> podcast show. And you're supposed to be questioning me. Yes, yes. I feel they get a lot more out of me questioning you, though. No, no, no. I'm just giving you some more things to um, think about in the sense that what I was saying about how, okay, to involve... It was your point. You bring on some more young blood. Yeah. And I think uh, they're trying to, but I think they need to maybe do a little bit better job or maybe put more energy into it because... Mm Someone like you or uh, I've had past, you know, podcast guests who are just like young people and they're just like super qualified people and and they need to really get involved in in the governing body because, you know, ultimately all those devotees who are on there are not going to be there. Very true. Very true. In the next 20 years, maybe so they, all of them will be, uh, you know, gone. And um, and I, that scares me. Right. 
if we're not in it now, if we're not getting like you know shadowing and uh, uh, you know and um, internships and yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That needs to be. That's really important. Yeah, I yeah, dude. I, now that you're saying it and I'm thinking about it, it, makes so much sense. It's. I completely agree. I'm hearing you say that we need more young blood getting involved sooner. Yeah. Rather than later. Yes. Whilst we still have, you know, guidance. Right. Whilst and the, we still have devotees there who can help us transition into those positions of responsibility. The next question is who is going to do that? I personally can't right now. I have a kid. I have a job. Yeah. I have a mortgage. Right. Who's going to, am I going to fly to Mayapur, you right. know, and do a GBC meeting? Like, I don't have the time for that. Right, right. So, uh, you know, what are we, what, what thought are they putting in how to, you know, accommodate people? You know, accommodate you know young people who may not be able to, because the most of them are monastics. They're more sannyasis and maybe retired, right? Uh, retired householders. Interesting point. I like this point as well. I think we we touched briefly on this yesterday. I know we were talking about the Bhakti Center, and I was commenting how something I think that they have that I really like about the Bhakti Center, which I think they've understood, is that. If you want to get certain people involved in a project, if you see so someone has the potential to be involved in a good way with this, then it's very likely we're going to have to pay them. Ooh, very touchy issue. It is a touchy issue. Very touchy issue. Is it more touchy than I realize? Um, maybe. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, so, I don't know if we should pay them. I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe. I mean, it could be service as well. Yes. Yeah, it's just be service. I think okay. it should be service. To play, devil, to play devil's advocate. To play yes. devil's advocate. You're saying... Yeah. I'm going to serve in the temple, and I'm going to be paid a salary to serve. Grihastas? And if... Oh, hold on. And if I don't serve, I will not... If I, if I don't get the salary, then I will not serve. I'm sure it's not that cut and dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I hear you. But in one sense, because I lived in England also for two years, and I, I saw how the temple is like absolutely flourishing mm -hmm. because they have the means to pay the devotees something minimal so they can live. Exactly. So they don't have to go to uh, the Harlequin and work there. Exactly. The, which was a mall over there. Which is called Into Watford now? Yes, yes, now Into Watford, yeah. Name. Whoever did that, stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Um, I know, right? I got used to it now, but I felt the same way when it first changed. But there are letters of Prabhupada which says, don't pay the devotees. Okay. You, They do service. They do pure devotional service with no uh, question of any remuneration. Mm -hmm. They just get to live there and they and they um, get their prashadam. Yeah. And if they want to work outside, if they want to have, they want to have a family, they work out. Let them work outside. So this is such. You touch on so many interesting points now. Please. <clears throat> okay. Where to start? Prabhupada. Prophet said many things and many times. This is, I'm just going to share my opinion. I'm again. I'm. We I'm a, we understand I'm an uneducated that. We understand this is your opinion. Fool. You don't need to say that. Yeah. Um, okay. Good. So, but <clears throat> I definitely I am of the opinion that there was um, time, place, and circumstance. And so you know, I guess that's enough said on that subject. That sometimes 
we get too black and white about certain quotes from Prabhupada. Whereas if you look at other times when he's, you know, he may have said something apparently contradic- contradictory, it's because he was looking at time, place, circumstance. From what I understand about Prabhupada, he was the master of understanding time, place, circumstance and adapting to create something that was going to work for that environment without, without changing the essence. There's a, there are, you know, he obviously didn't compromise on certain things, which I get. And I don't think we should ever, like, you know, compromise our principles in order to try and, you know, draw a bigger crowd, for example. Um, but that's a whole other deep subject that we could go into. But I'm more on the side of, you know, um, practicality. And, and we're in a different time and space now um, to where the, the ISKCON movement was when Prabhupada was around. And it's grown exponentially from that place. And um, now we have a lot of very, very, very qualified young individuals who need um, some material stability. But they have so much to offer this Krishna conscious movement to take it to the next stage. But how are they going to have the time to put that effort in? if they have to waste their entire life just going out and getting a job and supporting their family, <clears throat> you don't have the energy. We're, only, we're limited. We can only do so much. So for that reason, let's say I'm the temple president. I want to achieve something. Nam Ras is the man that I want. If I want him to come and do a service which is really important in the temple, which is going to help the temple, I'm going to have to pay him something because he needs to support his family. He's got a, a really wonderful wife. He's got a beautiful child. They need to eat. They need to live. So he's either going to go work and do a little service here when he can, or if I want him more heavily involved to help take this project further, I'm going to have to pay him because he has a life. Right. You know? And that's just an understanding that we need to come to. It's a day and age that we live in that we're no longer in a place where everyone in the temple is a brahmachari or a brahmatrini. Hmm. Um, and it's all saver based, you know, of course, no one was getting paid. They were just, they, at that time and place, that's what it required to grow to where it is now. Everyone, all of that generation sacrificed their material lives completely in order to spread Srila Prabhupada's movement. I feel we're in a different place now. And so we can take a slightly different approach to how we choose to grow it to the next level. That's really well put. It sounds logical to me. Right. It sounds logical, but yeah, you get these hardliners that <laughs> they, you know, they will not compromise on that point. That so that so that temple president hires Namras. Mm-hmm. So is Namras performing pure devotional service? If he is knows that he's going to get money is for Namras what he's doing, pure devotional service. If he's not being paid. Is it pure devotional service? What constitutes pure devotional service? Exactly, exactly. Good point. Just because you're not being paid, it's more pure than someone who is being paid. Well, okay, 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 this is is great. This is fantastic. So, Namras goes to, I love I'm talking about myself in third person. (laughs) Namras goes to his service every single day, exact same time because he is getting paid. Because if he doesn't, go on time nine to five at the temple if he doesn't go on time he won't get paid Mm -hmm. 
Now, if he's not getting paid, he goes 10 o'clock, sometimes 11, sometimes doesn't even show up. Mm-hmm. So I think this is, a, this is an advocate, advocation of paying the devotees because then you're going to get real uh, consistency. Exactly. In the serv- in the service, but then it gets in this weird gray area, mudbutt. But this is what I feel we need to change. This is how we need to, as the young devotees coming up in this movement, is start to change the taboos and the stigmas that have previously been there in our movement, so that we can move forward healthily. Like I'm, I'm totally like you know I said about my parents. I feel like they provided a very healthy space for me to grow. That's that's my thing. I want a healthy space for this movement to grow. I don't want to be stuck doing things fanatically because we just we can't change this i don't know why we can't change it and it would be great to change it but we can't because Prabhupada said this in this at this time in this circumstance yeah you know like i i i know a temple where the head pujari has children and they're living in the temple mm -hmm. and uh you know the temple is paying them some kind of stipend to live, mm -hmm. but it's not enough. Right. Then you lose that you lose that person <coughs> who's giving their life for the temple, and you have to because you can't pay them enough, or you can't live, make them live in a nicer place. And then you lose them completely. Mm -hmm. So I say. Exactly. So what I say to the hardliners is that, like, where like. What do you want more? Do we want like our temples to flourish and to maybe kind of you know get with the times, or do we want to just live by the hard principles? But then you have a temple that's like falling apart. You hit yeah, you're you're putting it so well as well. Um, <clears throat> if I want yeah, if you want the right person in the right job, right then. In generally in an environment where you're just going off service, you know, let's put Brahmachari such and such in this job because he's got free time. Right. And and Brahmachari such and such is doing this other saver. Saver. So <clears throat> but you know, Brahmachari A and B. Let's say Brahmachari A, let's use him for this for this saver. But Brahmachari A has no actual inclination to this saver. He's not naturally gifted at it. And it's not something that he wants to be doing, but the temple's using Brahmachari A because they only work off Seva and they can't get Namras because Namras needs to pay his bills. But Namras would be the perfect guy to make this service flourish. So Brahmachari A does his best, but nothing really happens hmm. because the temple is stuck in this mentality of it has to be Seva. I'm, I'm not... Anyway, I know we're just talking in general. I'm not, we're not, I'm not calling anyone out here. Of course, I'm yeah. actually not calling anyone out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but there are temples like that right so and then it's just you're shooting yourself in the foot for what F for detail there are details and there are principles what's the principle to give Krishna prema to as many people as we can to try and share Krishna consciousness with as many people as we can yeah. in the best way that we can yeah. now if Nam needs to be paid you know I'm sure Nam could be at Nam Ras could be out getting paid way more doing another job, but he chooses that I want to serve Srila Prabhupada. So I need to be paid, but I'm gonna to choose to put my time and effort into this 
it is still a service because you're choosing to be there to help Srila Prabhupada's movement to do something that's going to share Krishna consciousness or be of value to Srila Prabhupada's movement in some way when you could be earning money in another way probably earning way more money so just because you need to support your family it doesn't mean that it's not service it's still service because you're choosing to do it with an attitude of serving Srila Prabhupada so you are serving that's that's, that's a really opinion. that's a really great point i think what we need to underscore is that when they're being paid they're not being paid this outside salary right they're not being they're not driving to the temple in their mercedes right exactly they're just getting by you know getting by and maybe a little bit more yeah just comfortable comfortable exactly yeah they don't have to be you know begging in their free time to earn enough money to buy the little luxuries in life that we'll like you know yes yes and it, okay, that's that's if your temple has that extra income that they can start paying the devotees, right? Yeah, but I think it's kind of like it's one of those catch twenty twos. If you're not putting, if you're not doing it, you're never going to be in that place where you can because you're not going to flourish. Yes. And as you start to do it, you'll start to flourish and be able to accommodate more of that. Yes. Which I think the Bhakti Center does pretty well. I think. Yeah. I, I don't know actually so much about the details behind the Bhakti Center. I don't know. The politics and the money and all of that, but I think, from what I understand, that they've got this point. They have a pu- they have their public magazine that comes out, like fundraising magazine, and it has like the graphs of salaries and whatnot, like how much go. goes to the salary, and a good chunk of it does go to the salary of the devotees who are serving there, and uh, it's public knowledge. But I I, th- I think it's brilliant. I think it's good. I think it's a good idea. Um, My dad said to me the other day. He said, "The proof is in the pudding." Yeah. Look at the Bhakti Center. Look what they're achieving. <clears throat> I read their magazine. Yeah. They've got they they just released their yearly, you know, update magazine. I read it cover to cover. Yeah. It was incredible. It was incredible to see what they're doing. Yeah. They're like I you know, again, they're a beacon of how we can be sharing Krishna consciousness so dynamically in the modern world. Yes. I agree. I agree. It's a very it's a very unique project. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's Can I just tell you one thing? It's completely random, but I, please. Want, I wanted to say it. Please, please. That when I was growing up as a kid, yeah. something that was so awesome was that the, the temple where we, where we lived, so I've completely changed the subject. I've completely changed the okay. subject. I just wanted to say this because I think it's so cool. That's okay. Uh, and we can come back to this. Yeah. But um, the temple didn't have any brahmacharis in it for a little while. Yeah. And so... We had like the life-size Prabhupada Murti yeah. in the temple that wasn't being cared for. Yeah. So we brought it home. So for years we had a life-size Prabhupada Murti in our temple room at the house. That's so cool. So as like a little kid, I'd just be sitting up there looking at a full Srila Prabhupada Murti in our temple room. That's so awesome. For years, I know it was awesome. I used it was to dress incredible. I just, I just, I thought it was so incredible that I just wanted to share it. Speaking of Prabhupada deities. Two things. One thing was I used to dress our Prabhupada at our temple when I was like 10. Yeah. And uh, that was such a great service, you know, because I felt like a connection to Srila Prabhupada. I think that's possibly where a lot of the connection came as well. I used to look at him so, like, just... He was a part of the family. He was a part of the family, yeah. Yeah. Just just looking at Srila Prabhupada. But like, he's going to (laughs) move. Yeah, yeah. If I look for long enough, I'll catch him. There's some stories, right, where people come in and they're like, "Why is that man not acknowledging me?" I think it was Jai Jagannath was saying, 
when he came <laughs> you know Jay Jung, right? Yeah. He when yeah. he came cool to the temple first, he like walked by the Prabhupada deity and was like standing there and he was just like waiting for him to acknowledge him. Because it was like he was like a, you know, he grew up in this kind of like culture where it's like you got to be acknowledged. Yeah. So he was waiting for the deity to like acknowledge him, and he was just like. Then after it didn't happen, he was kind of like, maybe I'm telling this story completely wrong, but he was kind of like, he's kind of like, why? What's up with this dude? Why isn't he not acknowledging me? He said it during my his episode of the podcast. Wasn't he your first podcast? Uh, no. Yeah, was actually no. He was. He was. He was the yeah. first. It was in our apartment. It yeah. wasn't here, but yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, but um, yeah. What were you talking about before we you changed it? Sorry, I'm sorry. I just no, that's fine. It was random. It was the uh, paying the devotees. Paying the devotees. Yeah, back to some serious subjects here. Ah, uh, you're still gonna get people who are completely against it. Yeah, I see that you're um, you're also like passionate about being um, as like. Capable as of because you're passionate about this movement movement thriving. That's what I'm getting from you. Yeah, and you want you want to to try and help people see how is the best way to help this movement thrive. What's the most healthy way we can do that? I see that you're passionate about that. Yeah, because I see a lot. Uh, you know, I see my peers, some of my peers who do go out, myself included. Mm-hmm. I go out and get a job with karmis when i feel like i could i would be really happy serving in the temple mm-hmm. i could be a pujari i could be a manager i could be you know mm-hmm. full time mm-hmm. but i can't afford to i can't afford to pay my mortgage for my house i can't afford to you know do all these other things that i do with the money that i'm getting from an outside job yeah so it's like it's an, it's an I mean, interesting my, one it's a tough one isn't it yeah i mean my goals are in the future to to you know somehow give up this 9 to 5 thing get some other way of income and a whole that's the other way that's the other point sorry you carry on yeah just that just that to find some other way of income and try to serve as best as i could i, I see other devotees doing that you know you see, you see some devotees you know they're traveling all over the place they're serving in the temple they have families and i'm like and they're i'm like hey can you come do this on the middle of the day and they're like yeah i'm, just like, I'm like how do you do that you, don't you have a job <laughs> Exactly. No, we have you know we have this. We have a business. We have this. You know something going on that helps you. Yeah, that's the other side of it as well. I think there's definitely, you know, I still agree with this whole. You know, we should be, we can, pay devotees some uh, livelihood money, but on the other side, you could say, yeah, like you're saying that you know it's on us as well to be intelligent young grihastas and figure out ways that we can earn money, and uh, also right. have time. To contribute to Srila Prabhupada's movement. We don't yes. just have to go out there and get a, a 9 to 5 that sucks all our energy. We can try and use a little intelligence and figure out another way of earning money which doesn't <clears throat> take all our energy. Right. Which is, what, which is what we're trying to do. Which is what me and Sundari were trying to do. That's part of this whole move to Spain. It's part of what that's about. It's to give ourselves a little financial breathing space. It's so much cheaper there. So that we can start to build our own thing, which allows us to have a lifestyle which is more conducive to sharing and helping in Krishna consciousness. That's, that's Without brilliant. earning from a temple, we're earning our own money, but we still have time and energy. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it, it's a lot to think Tough about, though. you know? It, 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 and, I, and you're right. I, I, I am looking at the future and trying to see what best this movement can go mm-hmm. because it's given me my whole life you know like you said you f- you feel some mm-hmm. gratefulness some debt to Srila Prabhupada and 100% I feel that too I definitely feel that and I feel uh, I feel like we need to 
It needs to be, oh, that was my point, that sometimes I feel like we need to run it like a business. Although business is a strong word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need to run it in a way where it's like, okay, like in Australia, for example. I think I've made this point with another podcast, but they don't have they don't have devotees come, Indian devotees coming and donating tons of money. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have that. They don't have those kind of that di- demographic come to their temples. They have restaurants, like tons of them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and from the restaurant income, they're running the temples. Right. Yeah. Like that's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Especially I hear the Australian devotee food scene is like killing it. From what I understand, they're doing yeah. really well. <clears throat> like why can't we do that? It does. It just yeah. You're so right. So true. We we should you know put our heads together kind of come together as a society and support and create space for more of that kind of thing to go on you know more opportunities like that for devotees like i was i I was thinking about this and i was talking to my dad about it and he was like no no shila Prabhupada has given certain instructions how a temple should be run there shouldn't be any kind of like business dealings with the temple money because i was giving the i was giving the um the idea so this this guy i don't know if you know him he's like a big real estate guy grant cardone i don't know if anyone knows him anyway he's some he's a big real estate dude and he's he's he does what's called um like multifamily apartment syndication so basically you get a bunch of investors together and you buy you pool money together and you buy like a big apartment complex like 500 units or something and then you distribute the rental income to those investors according to the money that they've given so this guy grant cardone does this like huge syndication like hundreds of millions of dollars syndications so i was thinking for what if what if we invested money with him so example he gives like 4.5 percent of the interest on um, no return on investment mm-hmm. so for example if you give him like uh if you give him one million dollars one million dollars i'm not re- i'm not really good at math but mm-hmm. if you for, for example we, let's say in iscon iscon of new jersey invested uh one million dollars with grant cardone mm-hmm. and monthly he will give he will give you a check monthly of the returns so let's he say gives five thousand dollars. That's you good at math? No. Okay. Anyway, a percentage. <laughs> you get a percentage. My dad is. You give a percentage. You get a percentage in the mail every month. Right. Right. Residual income. Right. Yeah. So you're giving you're giving him money, and he's giving you income. Yeah, that goes on month. essentially forever. Forever. He has some kind of collateral in case he dies or whatever. Uh huh. So why don't we do that? Why don't we invest money? This is not like stock market. This is like real estate. This is like actual, you know, business right. where you're getting like $5,000 a month from this guy who you're investing this money in. It might be easy to raise $1 million for a temple like, you know, like you get a bunch of uh, devotees to get in to give the money and then you get like $5,000 a month, maybe $10,000 a month and you can run the temple really nicely yeah. without any worries about money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my dad I was telling my dad this and he was just like no, that Prabhupada would not approve of that because there are certain ways that temples are meant to be run. And I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting getting into the subject. But what do you think about that? I yeah. I uh, basically my point is running it like a business 
and trying to get a return on investment or trying to get residual in, uh, passive income so the temple can run and we don't have to beg people for money. I, I agree with you. It's, it's probably the bottom line. Put it simply. Although I definitely think there are gray areas. <clears throat> um, as long as the intention, I think you just have to... The devotees who are making these decisions, we have to trust that their intentions behind those decisions are to support the Krishna conscious movement. Very good, very good. You know, it's not that the goal of making money has become more important than the goal of sharing Krishna consciousness. Brilliant. Right. Brilliant. But, um, but sometimes you've got to have a game plan. You've got to be intelligent. And I'm going to... Anyway, there's someone, I'm not going to say who they are, but there's, there are, there's, um, there's a devotee out there who I think is doing incredible things for Krishna consciousness. Although he's not really doing all that much forward preaching about Krishna consciousness at the minute. But he's got a game plan. And um, so for the long-term good, you can do, you know, you can invest that money. Let's invest a million dollars. It's a business investment. But for the long-term good of what we're trying to achieve, which is to be able to share Krishna consciousness more dynamically, more widely, more, um, you know, more powerfully, then uh, these, these actions that we're taking now, even though alone, maybe you'd say, well, why are you doing that? That's not directly service. That's not directly Krishna conscious. That's not what a temple should be doing. But it's going to support this temple doing so much more. And so if the decisions are made intelligently to support serving Srila Prabhupada, then I 100% back that. Wow. That's such a balanced answer. Very, very... See, this is why, why the you, GBC Namras. needs Madhva Anderson. No. If Namras is hiring, <laughs> then, hire then I'll come to those meme meetings. <laughs> But a very, a very balanced. My my perspective was not balanced. I'm I'm just c continuing to think about the chapati problem. What's called the chapati problem. Right. <clears throat> how to feed everyone? How to pay the bills? How to get the heating paid? How to how to uh, get the groceries in? How to make sure the DDs are getting their offerings? Mm -hmm. How to make sure the pujaris are getting their stipends? Right. You're thinking on a level of how we're going to share Krishna consciousness. What's the best way forward for? spreading Krishna consciousness and the movement. And that's brilliant. That's really good. See, that's why we need people like you. Honestly, we do. We Thanks, now. Really, really awesome. Michael. I love you too. Really good. Wow. This has been really nice. Let me see how much time we've got. Okay. Left. <laughs> oh, we're about ending here. Thank you. So, usually I have a quick fire round where I ask people quick fire questions, but I haven't been doing that. Okay. But um, I'll just t I'll just ask you anyways, just quick, sure. quick fire round. Yeah. Um, what's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> Ooh, didn't expect that. <clears throat> In general? Yeah. Pet peeve. Uh, farting on me. Do it in the other direction. We can even be hugging. It can go that way. But if you do it on me, That's I'm peeved. <laughs> oh so that means it has to happen with a certain frequency. 
that has to have happened in, with some frequency in your life to make it a pet peeve, right? Oh my god, that's insanely funny. Wow. Um, if you were on a deserted island mm-hmm. and you could only bring three things, what would they be? Uh, okay. Give, give spiritual answer. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be spiritual. Um, take a harmonium. I can do some kirtan. Nice. Um, bring my wife. Right. <laughs> That's good. Wait, am I allowed to bring people? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh man, I'd, I'd give the harmonium back then, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take a harmonium. I bring Sundari. And, um, I take. Mm, I guess some Redunga as well. Do, nice. Do some real Kirtan me and Sundari. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's cool. Um,. Okay, and lastly, your favorite book? Top three books. Mahabharat, number one. By Krishna Dharma. By Krishna Dharma. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, top three books. Ramayan, legit. Mahabharat, Ramayan. And then the Harry Potter. Whole entire series after that. Nice, nice. Harry Potter, yeah. That's, That's good. my gen. That's my generation. Yes, yes. Love okay. that. Well, Madhva... Um, Thank Damn you so it, much I didn't for coming. Anything like the Bhagavad Gita or anything? Damn it! No, it's okay. It's okay. We know you're Christian conscious. You 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 showed us how how um, deep you are. So Madva, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And and best luck in your travels and best luck in Spain. Thank um, you. If anyone on our podcast who's listening wants to get in touch with Madva, uh, you are on Facebook. Yes, Madva Mark Anderson. Madva Mark Anderson, and you have an email address if you'd like to share. Madva108 at gmail.com. M A D H A V. M A D H V A. Oh, oh man. I was like, Madav. Are they Madav? Madva. M A D H V A. Madva. Madva at uh, Madva108 at, gmail. at gmail.com. Get in touch with Madva Anderson. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The now. best. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I feel honored. I feel really honored that you even thought to have me on your show. You're, you're super interesting and you have a really good outlook on things. And I really appreciate And I think that came out today, honestly. You're a good interviewer. You get the no, best no, no. Out I of think, people. No, I think you really, you really, you know, said some really fantastic things, and people are gonna really like what you said, and uh, you might get a few GBCs knocking on your door. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, Madva, thank you. And that's episode seventeen with Madva Anderson. Hurry ball. Okay, hurry ball. Dude, you're such a freaking. Le-